This is Cult Scenes K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight. Joe Farmer. Scott Interante. Tamara Herman. And this is part two of our end of the decade retrospective. On this episode, we're going to be picking picks in a wild card category of the hosts choosing. We're going to go through our top songs of the decade and finally our top albums of the decade. So Scott, what is your wild card category for the 2010 decade? So mine is for best summer bop and I've got three here. Uh, so I'll just I'll just do them in order. Number three, I'm going with Sistar's Loving You, classic summer bop. Number two, Sistar's I Swear, classic. <laughs> it's funny. I was just going to ask if you, if you could do more than one Sistar, what would they be? <laughs> and number <laughs> one, Sistar's Touch My Body, because yeah, they they're the best uh, at the summer bop. All three of those, I, I could do more, like I could add Shake It in there and, and some other tracks, but they're all great. Um, I think right now that's that's my order, Loving You, I Swear, and then Touch My Body, number one. But really, they're, they're all great. summer I, I miss having a new sistar track and um i don't know nothing really fills that void a lot of, a lot of people have tried but no one has <laughs> done it like, yeah even like um starship are trying to get cosmic girls to do it now as well they had boogie up this summer it was nice but it's just again that was good it's not the same really it looked like hyordan might do that for a while but i guess not right but yeah, so those are my uh, favorite summer bops. Excellent choices. Mr. Joe Palmer, would you like to tell us what your wild card category is? Oh, yeah, yeah. So a lot of my picks are going to kind of try to describe my decade as well as being my favorite things. Um, so it's like, not I don't know, I try to think of my absolute favorite things of the decade and there's always so many. So I've decided to pick a number of things that I may not have thought of first, but are still maybe just as important and just as interesting to me. My pick is for best producers, I guess, but it's kind of about a split up between the, the split up between Sweet Tune and Mono Tree. These are two of like probably the most well-known producers in K-pop. And I think especially like, you know, we'll talk about some of the songs that they may have produced later on, but they sort of defined this entire decade in a sound, I would say. Sweet Tune are obviously known for their, you know, big, bold synths and, you know, very Europop-inspired, lots of drama. Monotree kind of were three main producers who left Sweet Tune sort of in the middle of the year. I can't remember the exact year now, middle of the decade, I mean, and, and formed this new group. And they became involved with a lot of rookie groups. You know, they did a lot of work for Luna. They've um, done some great work for Stellar after Sweet Tune left them. Once that split happened... I felt that Sweet Tune sort of went down a bit and didn't really kind of capture that that lightning they had until producing a full album for a, a rookie boy group called Top Secret, their album called Mind Control. So that split took away the kind of more playful, the more quirky 
edge that Sweet Tune had, and Mono Tree took that and made it into something new. And they've done great collaborations with Luna, but also with um, the boy group On Off, who have been have a, with complete We Must Love and Why have a really good trilogy of interesting sounds. But yeah, but like Sweet Tune still obviously have some of the biggest bangers of the entire decade with work with Kara and like Step and Pandora and a lot of work with Infinite the Chaser. So it's between these two, the split, you know, represented a, a downturn for Sweet Tune with a great upturn and change for Mono Tree. But between them still, I find the entirety of K-pop that sound is in all of the songs, their whole discographies is right there in front of us. Yeah, those those are both um, pretty solid picks there. Kara makes me think Kara is one of those underappreciated groups that was really a huge group and uh, very influential back in the day. And, and I guess Sweet Tune had a lot to do with that. Yeah, yeah, and like one of I mean one of the first groups to do a big international fan base as well. But obviously, it was in Japan, and right? Not in the U.S., so it's kind of not really thought of. But you know, they were big enough that. Ji Young could go on, go on to have a career in Japan by herself, and Nicole to a to a lesser extent as well. All right, Tamar, do you have a wild card pick? It was my wild card pick is for best ballad. Okay, I mean, like I have a whole you know playlist that I could share, but I'm not going to do that. So I'm just going to pick the top one, which is Park Hyo-shin's Wildflower, which is this amazing, soaring, epic power ballad that you know in Korea is like undeniably a huge 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 hit like he had like he, he's the equivalent of EXO like probably here like he has you know this past summer he had I think eight shows in, in a period of two weeks like he's undeniably a huge hit and unless you're a particular form of fan who's into Korean ballads that have nothing to do you know with dramas or k-pop idols or anything you probably don't know it unless your favorite idols have performed it. I'm trying to remember who performed it on King of Mass Singer, but it's, you know, just this really epic, great ballad, and, and I think that song of the decade right there, but nobody else agrees with me, so I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm just- Great. And what about you, Stephen? Well, so I had a similar category. Mine is Bop of the Decade, not limited to summer, any season. And my pick is a song that I actually saved a spot for it in my top five songs because I my best songs of the decade list is sort of is heavy on edgy, innovative kind of songs. But as I said in the last episode, you know, I'm kind of in K-pop for the fun bops as much as for the artistic achievement. So 
I just couldn't imagine having a end of the decade show that didn't have any two dollar rookie girl group bops with cheap yeah. production and just hooks and hooks and hooks. So I created my category Bop of the Decade, and my choice for Bop of the Decade is a 2011 song by Five Dolls called Like This or That. This song is just, for me, the definition of addictive. Every time I think of this song, I've got to hunt it down and listen to it. And just about every time I listen to it, I have to listen to it again. So it's got a really funky bass line that's, that's kind of in the background. It's got a ton of hooks. The vocals are anchored by Ho Chan Mi, who is my favorite, you know, not to make light of it because it is kind of sad, but my favorite failed idol of the decade. And along with everything else, it's got the best post-chorus of any song this decade. Five Dolls. I bet you didn't expect to hear a Five Dolls song on our decade retrospective. But <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah, honestly, I hadn't hadn't actually heard this one um, until I'd seen it written down, and I, it it was great, I have to say. But I'm very always obviously happy, very very happy to hear these 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 cheap rookie groups be a part of the the decade as well. Yeah, I mean that's what I spend most of my time talking about on Twitter. So it seems like I should find a way to give them a shout out. So speaking of our top songs, one of the premier categories, Scott? Sure, I could do my songs. All right. Okay, I'm going to start number five, Hyuna's Bubble Pop, because, I mean, come on. You know, it's <laughs> this is not the best song, but it's just such, it's just so iconic. Uh, the music video is iconic her mouth noises on the song are iconic the dubstep break is so 2012 2013 like remember when in western pop that was everywhere and then it went to k-pop for a little bit too and it's just so over the top and it's just yeah it's just addictive it's something i still listen to all the time so Bubble Pop, number five. Number four, Lovely's Shining Star, which is is an album track, but it is so insane. And the bass playing is, is like <laughs> is really out of control. Um, and it's this really kind of high energy, almost J-pop track, um, but just so, 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 so good. Number three, Girls' Generation, I Got a Boy that almost feels too low because it is just such an unbelievable innovative song with like three different songs stitched together at different tempos and different keys. Um, and it's just so iconic. I remember that came out right on January 1st. So it was the first thing I did in the morning. I, I woke up, I had been at a friend's house for a new year's eve party and i i woke up and i had my headphones in and i saw that there was a new girls generation song uh music video and i watched and i was like what <laughs> what is this because it's just so so weird and incredible uh but there are two songs that i like even more uh which is number two i use good day 
I, I mentioned it in the previous part one about that being sort of the first song that really got me into K-pop. It's unbelievable her vocals, especially at the end where she hits that super, super high note. Everything about it is so cool. Um, but number one, which I also mentioned in part one, is Guyan's Bloom. I talked about the music video, but the song itself is also just so evocative and cool. And it also does this cool key change thing from minor to major. And it's just got this sleekness and, and her voice it's so cool you know we didn't we didn't talk about her in the artists of the decade category but she's someone who is also such a icon and someone who who constantly does interesting and different things and she has such a kind of understatedly cool vote voice like she's not yeah. a belter in the same way that like iu or ailey or or some of these other sort of flashier vocalists are um but she has such a unique sound to her voice and the song is just uh just perfect it's, it's one of my favorite of the decade of of any genre uh and and definitely of uh k-pop You know, I think you could have done your summer bop trick. You could have picked five guy and songs and probably you could, wouldn't have gotten a lot of argument. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah I, I regret now as well, not talking about her for artists in a decade, particularly because she sort of feels like the kind of the yang to I use yin, you know, someone. Absolutely. Yeah. The kind of edgier, you know, she was always trying to provoke more like much bigger ideas but well i love that video do you remember the opening to her truth or dare where they interview yeah. her friends oh, and associates yeah. and iu is one of the people they they interview which is one of the highlights of the video where the, the point is they just trash her <laughs> um right. and that is so guy to have that as a lead into her video yeah yeah all right well my top song list Starting out with number five, speaking of IU, the ubiquitous artist of the decade, um, my number five song is a Soteji song with, sung by IU, uh, Sogyak Dong. And I mean, what do you want? It's one of the, the great K-pop innovators paired with one of the great K-pop performers. And Scott and I talked about that in our Dissonance episode, just a beautiful song. Yeah, I just to jump in for a second because I I had thought about picking this too. Both versions are are so great. There's such a warmth to the synth sound and and production on this track. Um, that's it's really kind of unlike anything else from either of these artists and from anything else in K-pop. And it's just such a unique kind of sound. And and I think the production on that track is is really incredible. And you know, I talked about how how. IU can sing as though she's talking. I think this is a perfect example of that. She's telling the story and it's just, you know, I, I obviously don't understand the Korean, but it's just so compelling her tone, the way she tells that story. My number four pick, Guyan, not Bloom, although that would be a, a good pick. Tinkerbell is a little more my style. It's so super glitchy and inventive and has, has a bunch of acoustic sounds that are totally transformed. My 
Number three song is uh, Sunny Hill Midnight Circus from the best EP of the decade. Three amazing songs on that. It's got an incredible bridge. It's just a totally busy, maximalist, crazy song. And then my my number two and number one were really difficult. It's kind of, I feel like I've got a choice between just a perfect song and a groundbreaking but flawed in one tiny aspect song. So my number two song is Girls' Generation, I Got a Boy. Beautifully crafted song. The only reason it's number two is I just think that rap intro, there's something about SM. They, they had a problem with rap, especially earlier in the decade. And uh, I couldn't make it number one for that reason, but it's that's got discussed. Amazing song. My number one song is Brown Eyed Girl's Sixth Sense. An amazing song. It's it's uh, it's kind of a kitchen sink song. I made a list here of just some of the elements of the song. It's got disco strings. It's got a train whistle, meows, dolphin notes. Uh, it's got some marching band percussion. It's got the Big Ben Westminster chimes played on a piano. Uh, brass highlights, kettle drums, and all this craziness is just beautifully integrated into a, a really good song performed by one of the best vocal groups ever. So that's the top of my list. So Guyan got in there twice, kind of. You guys both had I Got a Boy, and it's one thing that I think about often. I, I think I feel I'm so thankful that it exists, that it's sort of a miracle miracle of a thing that it can even ever happen, but I think I enjoy it more as that than I do as an actual song. Um, it had to be left off in this case, because unlike Stephen, I'm not a coward, and I will put cheap rookie groups <laughs> in my top five. <laughs> Um, Good for you. Your your picks overall are very inspirational, Joe. I just want to say that. Cool. That's, that's very nice to hear. I'm going to start with What's Up and uh, their song Shut Up You. Kind of the I Got a Boy bridge there because they're both produced by the same guy, or at least Will Sims. He was involved in both of them. I think it's only like two, and a, two minutes, 40 seconds or something of just like really solid dance hall and hip hop beats um performed really well vocally for the first time for what's up they had consistently relied on nada their rapper this time they were using auto-tune in different places auto-tune kind of building to bigger cleaner voices and then dropping into nada again post-chorus but just the most fun thing that they created and you know kind of built on the idea of them being twerk dolls but it kind of made a bit more sense that they may be twerking to this regardless of whether that was a good idea in the first place. Um, Which it wasn't. <laughs> definitely not. So number four will be um, Hyde by Vix. So Vix, um, around the time of this era for them, like um, On and On, Hyde, um, Voodoo Doll, they did this kind of horror theme they were running through, and that really kind of captured my imagination because... Because of how simply and effectively they were communicating 
these ideas. You know, with Hyde, it's about obviously Jekyll and Hyde's story. There's like a a bad person locked up in in them who's trying to get out and like really ruin their relationship. And what they did so well was put that in the choreography. It's it's in the the sound of the music and it's in their vocals as well. Just kind of across the board, this idea was executed. It was a very simple idea, but it executed to a T. That was a, a kind of a big changing moment for me in, in understanding K-pop and understanding what the choreography can do on top of the music. Number three is a, a song I've been constantly tempted to bring back and to put in decade lists. And it's kind of in, you know, in the top two, maybe it was just three under the top two often. I feel it warrants inclusion because of what I said earlier. These This is one of the Probably my favorite cheap rookie group song, and it's Chewy by D Holic. It's sort of a um, follow up, like a rip off of EXID right after Up and Down. Kind of had a big moment. But I find the onomatopoeia of the word Chewy and the Korean Joldit Joldit works really well with these kind of filthy, wiry synths that are kind of constantly looping and mixing with very simple, kind of processed drum beats. But I find it sort of enchanting and something that I could kind of constantly listen to and go back to and enjoy. It's it's kind of peculiar rhythms and very many varied electronic sounds. Number two is the best boy group song of the, the decade of maybe all of K-pop for me. It's Overcome by New East. It's so full of drama and so full of tiny little details of pulling itself back before it goes big and it's um again the choreo kind of mixes up with um these like big moments where like backing dancers will pick up ren and drop him as he's finishing his kind of louder part and going bringing this song back into a smaller part it you know mixes the kind of dubstep elements that they were built on with uh kind of more grounded sounds yeah in terms of like the the bombastic boy group track none of them does it so well as they do and number one again a sort of representative of a group who i adore is um, ticket by nine muses i think nine muses run of singles from basically ticket until the end of their career is almost perfect and i could have picked any number of them like glue or dolls or drama even but ticket started it and it started it in such a fun sort of you know using reggaeton but with well, I, I, I think of I see them in their kind of the Air Force uniforms they're wearing, and it, it's kind of not connecting, but I know that's what it is. And it's just kind of relentless pace of their voices matching the melodies and the beat constantly kicking. And their rappers, I think, were like I don't know if they're all time great K pop idol rappers, but they were quick and they knew how to fit into a song that needed them when it did. and it never really worked as better as it did on Ticket, which kind of exploded then. who are of an almost flawless discography and this is the one that started it and it's probably still to this day um, my favorite one i was so into that song when it came i mean i still love it of course but uh, i remember listening to ticket all the time 
So my top song picks, I've, I've done a lot of these lists this year and, and these are still around my top five. It's really hard to pick, you know, top, top anything, but I think my number one pick is not going to be a surprise to anybody in the entire universe who knows me, but <laughs> uh, he's like, oh uh, yeah, this, is, this was coming for an entire lifetime. Uh, my number five pick is uh, Zia's Ghost of the Wind, which I just think is a really, Zia in general is a really underrated group and they have a lot of really good songs and good albums, but that song is my favorite of theirs. My next one, my all my like four other than my original one are kind of random. Um, NSUNG's The Reason I Became a Witch, which is very, uh, a lot of people either love it or hate it. And it's one of my go-to karaoke songs because, you know, it's kind of just like kick-ass. If you haven't noticed, there's a theme with my music videos and my songs. I'm just like, women not being boring great i'm not boring like i don't want anyone to say that i am saying k-pop's boring but like these are women who are saying kind of like screw you to the men who who look at them and treat them a certain way the next one's shiny symptoms which i'm picking more because i want to give a shout out to alexis who uh, co-founded cult scene with me because i didn't know this song existed until like three years ago um, it's from Shiny's Everybody album, and I just did not know this amazing song existed. And it's it's one of my favorites. I think it's my most played in my iTunes nowadays. I think it's probably my personal favorite Shiny song, and it's not a single, so wanted to put it on here on this list where I didn't have to be restricted by singles. My next one's Boyfriend's Janice, which all of these are kind of the the one the top like the four five to two are kind of all interchangeable so if you like one of these songs more than the other please don't yell at me um <laughs> boyfriend which i think boyfriend is kind of like kind of like i don't know like just a really sad story in k-pop because they had they had potential and then they never like really went anywhere but i thought janice like i will wake up singing this song still to this day if you if you're not familiar with it go listen to it right now you can kind of tell that i'm an older fan because all these are kind of old songs and then my, my number one pick is, of course, Infinite the Chaser, which is my favorite song on the planet, and it's the best song on the planet. So, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just the greatest song in, in the history of music. The music video is pretty good, too. Yeah, the music video is really good. I wouldn't say it's their best dance music video, though, because um, Before the Dawn is actually a really interestingly shot music video, and the dance move is so iconic. I think uh, The Chaser kind of solidified that that title of like the synchronized boy band that Infinite had already kind of showed through things like Paradise and Come Back Again. Uh, sorry, Come Back Again and Before the Dawn and, and like... Um, be mine so i think the chaser kind of you know put the, the the spotlight on that to the degree that the music video the dance performance music video is actually more popular on youtube than the actual music video with the plot do you have a favorite version of the music video of the chaser uh, the, or, do you like the orchestral version or the original oh, so, i mean like the orchestral version is the most legendary thing ever i really am sad they have not released it if you don't know what i'm talking about and you don't know what steven's talking about uh, Infinite performed an orchestral version at one of the Gaios, I think it was in 2013. 
and it's it's just like iconic. I just wish there was a studio version of it because there are certain points where their vocals aren't or pitchy or they're you know they're um, like it's MR, so like not every single line is sung by the live members. So kind of you can hear it vacillating during certain points of like fighting for the recording versus the orchestra. All right, should we move on to our final category, top albums of the decade? Sure. All right. Okay, so my favorite albums of the decade. And, you know, I'm glad we did this in a shared Google Doc because I I forgot about my number one pick until I saw it on Joe's list. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but we'll we'll get there in a second. Starting it off, number five, Exo Exodus. This is the one with Call Me Baby, and and I just think this was like a really solid album from them all the way through, and it's one that I I come back to a lot more than any of the other Exo stuff. Uh, I'm not like a huge Exo fan. I just thought this album in particular was really strong for them. Uh, number four, uh, Octang Musician Play their their first album. They've, you know, I think the two of them are really cool and interesting. And the stuff that they've done since this first album, I've like respected artistically, but don't like really love listening to all the time. There's like a lot more slower ballad kind of stuff. And and they put it out an album this year. That's very good. But I just like this first album is so fun. And, you know, as the title suggests, play and it's just really great. Number three, Wonder Girls Reboot. Uh, Totally classic. Great concept. Great songs. Um, Number two, I use Modern Times. It's like really interesting mix of genres and bigger theater kind of stuff and gypsy jazz and all this kind of bossa nova stuff. It's really, really cool. And of course, IU is our consensus (laughs) pick uh, for artists of the decade. But number one which I almost completely forgot somehow, FX Pink Tape. Um, yeah, I was waiting just, for your explanation of why that was not in your top Yeah, it, it, I don't know why I just <laughs> I didn't think about it for some reason. Um, it really is. It's just like all the way through an unbelievable piece of art. And, you know, especially recently because of tragic events, it's, it's something I, I started listening to a lot again. Um, and it's just, it holds up and it's so bold and fun and exciting and interesting and it's just one of one of my favorite albums of all time yeah i guess i can jump on and start my list yeah, since, since Scott my... stole your Yeah, picks. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I worked so tra- tried so hard not to steal anyone else's, but it's okay. <laughs> um, Pink Tank Tape is tentatively placed at two for me, but um, my in particular, my list here isn't really in order. But um, yeah, Pink Tape was maybe the, I think, second physical K-pop album I ever owned. Or maybe the first, no, it was the first one ever actually I got. 
and I'd always wanted it because of, it was like a pink tape and the packaging looked so cool and you know I listened to it a bit but it wasn't until I got it on the CD and played it out loud that I learned to really love it you know and again you're just such a um a kind of propulsive inventive album full of really really great tracks um so i guess we can put that at five so then number four i'll give to gain again but i'm going with i guess her last mini album at this rate is called end again and um, the song and uh, the album with carnival on it it doesn't get talked about as, as much and i I can understand why in some ways, but I have a specific memory tied to, I was reading Franken, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein while I listened to this. So when I listen to it now, it's very specific things like connect in my brain of this is an album about death. You know, the carnival is a song about her death and Frankenstein is, I guess, a book about trying to stop death ultimately, like for once and for all. So to have these connections makes it feel, even though I don't like the music maybe as much as the other albums on these lists, it's the one that immediately I feel things about it. Next is my favorite mini album, the kind of the perfect little group of songs is um, Secret by Cosmic Girls again. It's got, you know, the incredible single. It's got the quirky kind of hip-hop um, sci-fi robot. It's got, um, would you... Would You Kiss Me, which is like a fake-out cutesy song that turns hip-hop. It's just got everything. Everything is a banger. Everything is solid, and everything is Cosmic Girls, really. More brand-new girls now with their um, Sixth Sense album, which sort of exemplifies their 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 um, approach to kind of sticking to a particular concept. In this case, it's like jazz or kind of acid jazz. That goes all the way through it. It's an enlivened by great intros and interludes. Um, it has, you know, brilliantly like almost vicious songs like Vendetta. The the single, as Stephen said earlier, is just an outrageously good. One kind of perfect coherent album that, in terms of of it being a longer one, I don't think any of the groups have really matched. That being said, my first, my number one. I don't think is perfect as nearly as perfect as Sixth Sense, but After School's Dress to Kill, their Japanese album, their final album, is far more interesting to me. It's far more out there. It it has this constant technique in you know, all the songs where there'll be groups of girls singing at once rather than a single one, and then they swap and then they come together for the chorus. It kind of creates this different sense of unity over very kind of scuzzy sense that match well with the Japanese inter- industry but don't feel like a cop out and trying to trying to cater to them of all the uh, K-pop albums I listen to is the one I go back and constantly discover and get lost in again that I really don't find with anything else and I really wish there was an easier way to listen to it as well because it's not on Spotify you can't get it physical you just find random YouTube playlists where people put it together and you thank after school that it's still up there.
I love that you pick a Japanese album as your top K-pop album of the decade. <laughs> I mean, when it's right, it's right. I don't know. I mean, sure. <laughs> They're another group that I would have as one of the groups of the decade in terms of just what they did. Like, no one else did what they did. They're, yeah, they're legends to me always. Yeah, that's another thing. It's it's You couldn't have a decade episode without talking about after school. They, they were just amazing. All right, Tamar, you talked a little bit earlier about some of the your considerations for top albums. What were your final picks? Um, so these are totally out of order because these are kind of, like I said before uh, earlier, these albums are kind of my personal faves rather than ones that, you know, I'd sit down and think, oh, this is the best, 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 best of all time. Because luckily on K-pop and Muted, we can talk about the things we love instead of the things that we think we should love or that we should like critically yeah. love. So I'm um, not saying that other things that I talk about in other lists that I, I am participating in are bad, just like these are the ones that I kind of tend to turn to. So uh, I don't expect anyone to be like, ah, yes, these are the top five albums of the decade except me. So these are totally, there's no order. So I'm not going to say them in any order whatsoever. I'm just going to say them in the order I wrote them in. So the one that I've been listening to a lot this year is NCT 127's Awaken, which is actually a Japanese album. And it's fun if you don't like it. It's a good album. You go listen to it. Uh, it's fun to hear. It's fun to hear how they had different tracks, a very, very different sort of tracks in each song. So you have like a ballad next to something really kind of crazy and kitchen beat. Like it, it's a really cool album. And I think if I don't ever see these songs performed, I'm going to die unhappy. My next one coming off of that really intense I'm going to die unhappy if I don't hear the chase, the Awaken album live um, is Yuna's Rescue. I'm actually seeing Yuna next week for the first time. And I'm really, really excited. And if nobody knows who Yuna is, I, I don't care. Just go look her up. Her rescue album came out, I think it was like the last week of 2017. And so it didn't make it into any year end lists or anything, but it was a really, really good album, a really intimate album. She kind of put it all out there, how she was struggling with depression and how she, was having a hard time and it's it's partially sung or predominantly sung in English, I guess. And I put it on in the background when I'm feeling sad and it kind of reminds me, oh, somebody else feels the same way that I do. And, you know, you're not alone in this human existence, which sounds really depressing, but it's actually her music's really inspiring and really um, kind of brings me back to a good place. Like the whole point of it is that she was rescuing herself with these songs through the songwriting process. And I think as someone who's made their career based around music, I think it's really inspiring to see. Um, the next one I picked is Classic High's Blessed, which I don't know if any of you have heard the whole album. I have, I've never even heard of this group. What? I'm sorry. Uh, so Classic High, wow. This is like, um, Classic High is a collective <laughs> and based around DJ Classy. They, they're really popular in Korea, which, which I think it says a lot that a lot of my um, taste is like Korean taste, which is probably why I like doing what I do so much. And it's this kind of really cool electronica meets jazz meets they kind of put some hip hop in this album so you kind of randomly get really interestingly auto-tuned sing song rap from like a balladeer and it's and it's just kind of cool um it's i would suggest you guys listen to it if you have not listened to it yeah I, i'm so sorry i, I gotta offended. go back and check it out well my next my next album if you haven't heard you've been living under a rock which is not an album but it's an album series bts's most beautiful moment in life series 
and um wait i've never heard of this group (laughs) (laughs) uh that'd be hilarious if somehow if somehow (laughs) in a row he was just like oh i don't know what you're talking about um bts um so yes bts is the most beautiful moment in life series i was kind of sacrilegiously to most people thinking about um love yourself answer because i actually really do like that album a lot even though i know some people think that it's not as artistically as great as the most beautiful moment in life series but i i do turn that one on just as much as this one so i kind of i just really like album series 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 um i just i think that bts kind of tells these really interesting stories where they have these songs that ruminate on similar ideas and kind of progress around the thoughts of the songwriters, whether it's the members themselves or like any of their collaborators. But I think that this album series really showed the potential and kind of changed the decade. And it has some of my favorite BTS songs on it. So I would suggest listening if you've not heard it ever, Scott. That one I've, yes, I've, <laughs> I've heard these albums. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then the last one is like a personal favorite, which you guys can all disagree with. Um, it's Super Junior's This Is Love. It's the repackage of Mamacita. And I think Super Junior is really known for their dance tracks, but actually I really enjoy them for their ballads. And this album has some of my favorite uh, Super Junior, like beautiful, harmonious, like ballads on them. And I think that I turn this album on probably the most of any album. But yeah, I don't know. These were just albums that I enjoyed that maybe other people wouldn't enjoy, but I, I enjoyed and I wanted to share with the world. Cool. I don't know. Is it because Scott didn't even know? I'm sorry. That's that's on me, not on you. Oh, that's a good list. Well, my top albums of the decade, uh, I limited myself to, to full albums, which made it a lot easier. And I've got five flawless albums, meaning that at least... There are no bad songs on any of these albums, which is a little bit of a spoiler because that is why Pink Tape is not on my list. Whoa. Pink Tape has two spectacular songs, one great song, a number of very good songs, but it has a song I can't listen to, Goodbye Summer, I can't listen to. So it it just couldn't make my albums of the decade as great as it may be. Wow. So my number five pick is Wonder Girls reboot, not a controversial pick. Absolute fidelity to that 80s concept, but still a diverse group of, of really great songs. I wish the Wonder Girls were still around. Red Velvet, I've said probably my favorite discography of the decade. Um, they have two full-length albums, and I tend toward the red part of Red Velvet. So of course, I picked their album called The Red. I think it's kind of the music that FX would be doing if they were still around. And uh, it's a really great, interesting album. My number three album is Jungyeon's She Is. I was, you know, I kind of figured I had, I would probably want some shiny or Jungyeon album. And I was listening through to him trying to decide. And I was looking at my best uh, K-pop songs playlist. And I realized that I have more songs from this album than from any other 
album on my K-pop playlist. Uh, I mean, on my best K-pop playlist. It's basically an R&B album, but it but the production is so intricate and detailed. It really pays to actively listen to it, even though it does work even in the background too. And of course, you got Jung Hyun's gorgeous vocals. It's amazing album. So once again, for my top two, I'm faced with a choice between a perfect album and a more ambitious album that might not be absolutely perfect, but I'm going to I'm going to go the other way this time. I'm going to go with the more ambitious album. So my number 2 album is Brown-eyed Girls' Sixth Sense. I think Joe described it properly as just a perfect album. Every song is really good. It's it's a very coherent album. One thing I think is really interesting about it is it's got one of the best starts and one of the best endings to songs, I think, in K-pop. In the intro, it, it starts out with Give Me the Beat, which is kind of an iconic start to a song. And then the end of Hot Shot, the song ends very abruptly and they say, keep the change. And you hear this change hitting the table and it just communicates this, you know, we've given you more than you're entitled to, but keep the change. I love that <laughs> ending to that song. And then the the number one album of the decade, Girls' Generation, I Got a Boy. First of all, I want to be clear. I don't consider Dancing Queen part of the album. I think that's a good song. I have it in my library, but I actually have for years. I've had it on a different... I, I created a new album just for that song because that song was never intended to be on the I Got a Boy album. Uh, you know, there was issues with the rights to the song and so on. And so... Some accountant, I guess, decided to include it on the I Got a Boy album, and it it just doesn't fit on there at all. So I'm ignoring that, as is my right. <laughs> and uh, I think I kind of feel like this album, as an album, gets overlooked sometimes because of the single, but it really is a collection of really beautiful, unusual, innovative songs. I remember uh, there was some discussion when it came out about. What does this mean for FX? Like, if Girls' Generation is going to do this kind of music, why is SM even going to have FX around anymore? Even the ballad, and I'm not big on the ballad, even the ballad, Lost in Love, is great on this album. And I I think, I'm not real good at identifying who's singing necessarily, but I feel like on this album, they used their strongest vocalists a lot. They paid less attention to evening out the parts and they really made good use of the really strong vocalists that they've got in Girls' Gym. Guys, I think that is our is that it album look back. I mean, not album look back. I think that is our decade look back. Wow. I mean, there's nothing more to discuss. I think we've covered it all, right? <laughs> Did anything else happen last decade? I don't think so. So thank you for listening to part two of our look back at the 2010s in K-pop. You can uh, follow us online at K-pop Unmuted and at Cult Scene with a K. You can find me online on Twitter at Tennessee Appeal. 
Uh, Scott, where can we find you? I am on Twitter at Interante Scott. That's I-N-T-E-R-R-A-N-T-E-S-C-O-T-T. All right. And Joe, where can we find you online? I'm on Twitter at uh, Captain Joe Hook. And Tamar, where can, did listeners find you online? Yeah, you can find me on social media at Tamar Writes and read my articles at billboard.com. And as usual, it was a pleasure to be on the show. And I'm really grateful you guys let me on the show. And I'm glad we became friends this decade and got a bond over our love of this thing we call K-pop. Aww. Absolutely. That's one of the best things about the past decade for me is connecting with uh, people, including the people on this show. Yeah, we've we've all met uh, IRL. Yeah, I think right. Wait. Yeah. Despite current, we're currently we are on uh, three different continents, um, <laughs> but we've all met. Stephen, have we met? And we haven't met. I feel like. I'm searching my uh, memory because I feel like I surely remember. we have, but we, we haven't. I think when you... Yeah, were, I've met Joe and... Yeah, I wasn't around or something. Yeah, yeah. It'll happen. It'll happen. I'll, I'll, I'll come back. <laughs> I'll come down to, to Tennessee to see you. Absolutely. I'm here. And if you're not listening to this in your podcast player, be sure to search for us wherever you find your podcasts. Um, also, if you want to rate and review us, that's helpful. And we appreciate you listening, of course, and uh, look forward to you joining us for the next episode of K-Pop Unmuted.